Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. One of the really beautiful things about the, the church with a, a capital C, meaning all believers in Jesus across the world, the, the universal church, is that sometimes, although we are very different, we often think that we believe different things, every now and then, we're able to come together, set our differences aside, and, and work towards a common goal. This is most evident in times of deep distress, you know, such as we are facing across Florida in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. The faith-based relief effort in southwest Florida has been really an inspiring display of what the people of God are capable of. But even outside of emergency disaster response, there are lots of other ways that we, as the church, come together to serve one another and to serve our world. And one of the, the most basic ways that we do this is something called holy conferencing. It's when we all just get together and, and just discover and, and how we can serve and help our world and one another. So when I, I first started working in ministry, I attended a conference here in Florida that was called Real Ideas. And what was evident just at first sight when I walked into this place was that this thing was really well put together, right? From the moment that me and my ministry team walked in the door to the time that we left, we experienced a really well thought out and planned event. But what was really incredible, more incredible than the thought and the planning at the surface level, was the way that each uh, little learning session and workshop at this conference offered a way to utilize the talent of everyday Christians, everyday church members and attenders, in order to accomplish the mission and the vision of not only the church, but of Jesus Christ in our world. And so as, as a person new to ministry, this was both good news and bad news for me. It, it was good news because it meant that, well, I didn't have to do this ministry thing on my own, but it was bad news because it meant that I was going to have to ask people to help, which is something that I've never been like particularly comfortable doing, but it's something that I've learned how to do over my time in ministry. But the reality is that the, the church is a beautiful representation of the diverse tapestry that God has woven into humanity. 
See, we're a bunch of people that are anchored here under the, the banner of Jesus Christ, but the church is really made up of, of very different people with different life experiences, with different levels of education, with different gifts and different talents that have been bestowed upon us by God. And that's what makes the church such a beautiful place to belong. We're a community of people that are gifted with a great diversity of talents, some of which are, were really, really good at harnessing, and some of which are sitting, waiting in pews and chairs, untapped, ready to be unleashed within our community and our world, if we'll just say yes. So we're here in uh, the third week of this sermon series about stewardship called Serve and Guard, where we're exploring God's call on all of humans to serve and guard this world and the implications of that reality on how we exist as a church in our community. And so last week I talked about how in order to really move in a direction towards serving and guarding this little slice of God's kingdom that we've been given, we need to focus our energy on why we would even want to do such a thing in the first place. And this was the why statement that I proposed. I said that we are called to serve and guard our church and our community so that God's will can be done in Fort Pierce as it is in heaven. And so if our call is to serve and guard our church in order that God's will can be done here in Fort Pierce as it is in heaven, that that's going to mean that we need to properly harness the individual gifts that God has given to each of every single one of us and that starts with recognizing that each person who walks through the doors of this church has been brought here for a reason, and that each person who walks into this church has been given gifts from God in order to accomplish that reason. And this, this reality was crucially important for the early church, because the early church was an organization that really stood in the gap between life and death for the people that it served. See, the, the early church was made up of outcasts and people who were in a rough spot. See, either they were people who embraced the gospel of Jesus and decided to follow that way, all at the expense of their social standing, either within their Jewish or their Greco-Roman uh, community, community. Or they were people who were already experiencing life on the margins. Widows, orphans, slaves, sick and diseased people were all people who in the ancient world experienced an incredibly difficult life. These people were the people that the early church brought into their community. The church was made up of misfits and outcasts. They relied on the gifts that God had given them in order to look out for the health of the community as a whole. 
And so those who had lots of money, they gave it so that those who had the gifts of service and hospitality could, could serve and leave time for those who had been given gifts of preaching and missionary work to go on, to go out, and to spread the gospel across the known world. And they worked together in this very, very strange but beautiful way in order to accomplish this mission that Jesus had given to them. And this mission was the reason that they were so focused. It was their why. They truly embraced it. But when you really think about it, it's, it's kind of easy to understand why they embraced it so wholeheartedly. Because for some of them, it came directly from the lips of Jesus. Jesus who said, love God and love your neighbors. Jesus who said, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus who said, make God's will done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so when folks came and asked them, like, why would you, why would you give up everything? Why would you walk away from your community, from your faith tradition, from your culture to follow this Jesus? They would say, well, because we believe that this is what God has told us to do. God told us to live this way and to do these things. And then he said he was coming back to make sure that we actually did it. And so we want for when he comes back to have something to show for ourselves. And so, yeah, we've got work to do. One of the leaders of this early Jesus movement was a man named Peter. And Peter was a, a very bold and very gifted leader. But Peter mostly lived in and around the city of Jerusalem, which later on in his ministry and in his life faced quite a bit of political turmoil after Jesus' death. Rome came down pretty hard on Jewish people in general, and Jesus' early followers were still considered to be a part of the Jewish community. So by the year 70, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by Roman forces, and essentially, like, life was, was not great for this new Jesus community, or really for anyone. There was a fair amount of suffering within their, their ranks and within the church itself. And, and so Peter wrote a letter to churches and to Christians who had been displaced because of this political turmoil within the Roman world. And, and the Apostle Peter encourages these communities, and he gives them instructions on how they're called to live in a way that glorifies God. And so this is what Peter says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. He says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things, 
through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so Peter's words here really help us to focus our understanding of how we are called to use the talents or gifts that God has given to us. See, most importantly, the guiding force behind everything that we do as a church and as individuals really needs to be love for God and love for one another. Every decision that we make, every program that we start, every meeting that we have has got to have the ultimate and highest goal being growing in and maintaining our love for God and our love for one another. We are then called to be hospitable to one another without complaining. And this is, I don't know about you, but this is, this is a tough one because we live in a consumer society, right? Like we, we have been hearing our entire lives that the customer is always right, right? We're used to complaining when things aren't the way that we want them to be, and we're used to getting our way because of it. And listen, I'm not saying that like we should not point out when things could be done better. I don't think that's Peter's concern here. I think Peter's concern is the destructive force, that backdoor complaining about one another, about the pastor, about the leadership of the church, or about the church in general. That destructive force, that what that can have on the love that we are meant to share and display amongst one another. Remember that we don't come to church because we all think the same way or even want the same things all the time. We come to church in order to experience the risen Christ and to live in community together as the diverse representation of God's human creation. So complaining is really the best way to begin tearing apart the church that God is so desperately trying to hold together. So for Peter, that's, that's really the setup. Basically, he's saying, love each other and quit complaining so that you can use your energy doing something constructive. Peter knows human nature. Peter's one of us. He experiences this every day. He knows that we are much more likely to use our energy negatively. It's, it's like how we're wired. But if we're going to be good stewards of the energy and really the time that God has given to us, then we're going to have to use it differently. See, when we use our energy in using the gifts that God has given to us to serve one another we fulfill God's intention for them and for us. So I don't think that Peter here is saying, just serve yourselves within the church. I think that Peter is saying, serve the world around you. Peter recognizes that each of us is gifted differently. Some of us are gifted with speaking and with teaching. Some of us are gifted with hospitality and serving others. Some of us are gifted musically. Some are gifted artistically. The list goes on and on. But regardless of how we are gifted, Peter is saying to us that it's our responsibility 
to use those gifts for the purpose of furthering the mission of God in the world. We are called to use our gifts to glorify God. So one of the most important things that we have to understand is that in God's kingdom, there is no hierarchy. All gifts are equal because they are given by God to us for one purpose. The Apostle Paul was one who really explored this idea a lot, and he wrote uh, a letter to the Corinthian church who couldn't seem to get along without arguing over who was better or who was worse. And so he wrote this regarding the gifts that God gives to us uh, called spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 4 through 11. So Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, and to another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits, and to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. And what this means is that God doesn't see us differently based on the gifts that we have been given. All that God sees is whether or not we are using our gifts the way that they were intended to be used. And that is how we should view gifts as well. See, every person is gifted. And personally, I, I really love that. And I'm not here to tell you that uh, you should need to be serving in ways that you have not been gifted for. I don't want anyone to feel pressured into serving in a capacity in which they are not called to serve. That's a waste of energy. There's plenty of work to be done, and I guarantee you that God has got a place for you to serve in this world and in this church. But I am asking you to be open to being challenged, to trying new things, and seeing if maybe God has gifted you in a way that you've not yet realized. So I'll offer this. You know, when I began my journey of real discipleship, it happened because people saw something in me that I could not see in myself. I was perfectly happy to come into the church and sit in the back and mind my own business and leave as soon as the service was over. But the mistake that I made was that uh, the church that I was attending was really composed of a lot of the same kind of folks that made up the early church. Misfits and outcasts were kind of like the general population of this little Methodist church in Tampa, Florida. So here's the thing about misfits and outcasts. 
they see other misfits and outcasts. Like, they really see them. They know what it feels like. They know what it looks like. And they know what it is to be that person. They recognize one another. And so it became very, very hard for me to remain anonymous in that place for very long. I had a pretty low view of myself at this time, and I definitely didn't believe that, um, you know, I was qualified to be in service to God's church in any real way. But one day, uh, I ran into the worship leader of that church out in the community, and, you know, he recognized me as the guy with the tattoos that sat in the back and left right away. You know, I recognized him as the guy that was up there, like, leading worship, and so kind of, like, couldn't avoid having a conversation. And, and so we got to talking, and I guess just, you know, because misfits and, out, and outcasts recognize misfits and outcasts, like, he could just tell by, by being around me that I was weird enough to be a music person. Sorry, music people, you, but you get it, right, you know? And so uh, what happened was somehow, like, six days later, I was playing guitar in this band at this church, and uh, I just didn't really know what happened, but I just went with it, you know? And I played in that band for, for a number of years, every single Sunday. And what saying yes to him, even though I just kind of felt pressured uh, internally to make him happy, uh, was that something shifted. I said yes to the first thing. From there, I just started saying yes whenever I was asked to serve in different ways. And I found things that I didn't like, and I found things that I really, really liked. And what happened was I ended up leading Bible studies and small groups. I was serving with uh, teenagers in the youth group. Eventually, these crazy people hired me to be the youth pastor. And all of this happened over just uh, a few short years. I went from being the guy who tried to hide in the back to being this person who's put on a track for ordained ministry and stands in the front and, like, does most of the talking now. And this all happened not because I wanted it to. This all happened because some people believed in me. And because they believed in me, I began to believe that what they saw in me was the real me, the person that God had called me to be, that the person that I had told myself that I was for so many years was actually the lie. And I say all of this to encourage you, because you might be sitting here like, you know what, God doesn't want someone like me to serve his people. But let me be the first to tell you that he does. And all you've got to do is say yes and take the first step. Look at the ways that you can just easily dip your foot in here that are listed on the, the talent pane of the pledge card. Where can you begin? Where do you feel the pull? Maybe you look at that and you're like, I don't want to do any of this, but this is something that I, that's on my heart. Send me an email. Call me. Just show up here. Talk to me about it. Because God has a place for you to serve here. You see, I believe that with all of my heart. Because I believe this one fundamental core truth about 
Christianity and ministry in general. Ministry is not something that is only for professionals. See, the vast amount of ministry that is done in this world is not done by people with the title reverend, pastor, priest, or minister. The vast amount of ministry is done by you, the people sitting in the chairs, the people sitting in the pews, the people sitting on your couch at home watching this online. And part of the reason that the church is in such decline in the modern Western world is because we have forgotten that fact. We've left the work of ministry up to the professionals. But here's the problem with that. There are no professionals, right? Some of us go to seminary and we get an education and, and we're charged with leading the church and teaching people the Bible, but that doesn't make us professionals. It doesn't make me a professional. If I was a professional, I'd be able to do this thing on my own. But I can't do this thing on my own. That was what the, the central driving idea at the Real Ideas Conference that I went to as a, a young budding minister taught me. You can't do this alone. If you do, you will burn out before you even get started. I'm only capable of so much. I only have so many gifts and talents. But together, me and all of you, we can do a lot. I've got my gifts, and you've all got yours. And what I'm called to do is to help you find and utilize your gifts for the building up of God's kingdom here on earth, particularly here in the Peacock Arts District of Fort Pierce, Florida. And so what I need you to do is simply say yes. Yes to Jesus but then yes to actually following Jesus every day in a new way. Say yes to not only using your gifts, but using your gifts differently. There's a, a training camp scene in the movie Remember the Titans uh, where Coach Boone chants uh, a new ethos over the T.C. Williams Titans football team, like a charge and a prayer of hope for the, this newly integrated football team that he leads. So Coach Boone says this. He says, everything we're going to do is changing. We are change. We're going to change the way we run. We're going to change the way we eat. We're going to change the way we block. We're going to change the way we tackle. We're going to change the way we win. And so this year, I'm asking you to commit your talents, your gifts to change. See, we live in a world that is changing. And, and while the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ is unchanging forever, the way that we tap into that message and unleash it to change the world has got to change. And so we're going to change the way we see ourselves. We're going to change our no's into yeses. We're going to change the way that we engage in discipleship. We're going to change the way that our gifts serve our community. We're going to change the way that we do 
church. Because the way that we're going to do church is going to ignite personal and communal change. The way that we do church is going to reflect God's kingdom here. Messy, diverse, and beautiful. And that change starts with you taking those talents that God has given to you and dedicating them back to him. It starts with you giving them back to God and to God's people in a new and challenging way. It starts with you committing yourself to the work of ministry and seeing it through for the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of ministry and the call to ministry and the gifts that you have given to us to, to be in ministry to your world. God, we, we believe that you are all-powerful, that you can do anything as you please, and with that, we believe that you could do all the ministry yourself, that you don't need our help, but that you want our help. So we thank you for partnering with folks like us. We're prone to wander, prone to complain, prone to easily give up human beings. But you looked out and you said, you know, everything that I've made is so beautiful, but you know what would make it even more beautiful? I partnered with these messes that I've made. These, these beautiful train wrecks and showed them how to make this world a beautiful place that reflects what I hope for it to become. So God, we thank you that you look at us and, and you see co-workers rather than liabilities. We thank you that you have given us gifts, gifts that allow us to make beauty, but also gifts that allow us to call your wayward children home. Gifts that allow us to nurture those who grieve among us. Gifts that allow us to, to reach out and touch to the, the very heart of the brokenness of our world. So God, we just ask that you would supernaturally change our no's and our maybes into yeses, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the people that you have called us to be, that you'll take all of that, that mess and all of, of the nasty words that we say to ourselves about ourselves and that you'll replace that with the, the beautiful voice of people telling us, showing us who we really are. People who are not only chosen, but people that are called and unleashed on this world to make your name great. That this world could reimagine who they think God is based on the love and the example that we, your church, give to them to see. It all starts with us saying yes, God. 
So God, we invite you to change our minds. Help us to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.